Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God, our Savior, from our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, over the past couple of months, I've been trying to uh, spend a little more time reading, right? Not just, not just sitting on the couch and vegging out and binge watching, but doing a little more reading. And while most of my reading has been probably professional growth or personal growth oriented, I usually like to let my brain unwind with some kind of good book uh, at night. It just helps me not run over all the things that didn't get done today or whatever else. I kind of get to go off into somebody else's world and helps me fall asleep. And I, I like reading, especially good writers. But I'll be honest, if I, I struggle if it's not a if it's a below-average storyteller. The difference between a, a writer and a really good writer is their ability to put you in their story. A really good writer, a really good storyteller can, can put you right in the middle of their story. You can, you can see the scenes as you read them off the page. You can relate to their characters. You can immerse yourself in the plot. A really good storyteller makes you feel a part of their story. And Jesus, well, he fits in the category of really good storytellers. Jesus, when he told a story, he could tell a, paint a picture that people could see themselves in it. He, they could connect with the things that he told them. They could, they could connect with what he described to them about nature, about life. They felt like they were a part of his story. And Jesus, he was a really good storyteller. But he was an even better teacher. Because Jesus didn't just tell stories for the sake of telling stories. Jesus told stories to, to bring home really important, these great spiritual truths. And that's exactly what we're going to see this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. As Jesus tells a story, he teaches using a parable. Now the word parable, maybe you've heard it before, but, but weren't quite sure what it meant. It comes from the Greek. The word para in Greek is side, and the bull part of parable comes from the Greek word balo. It means to, to set or to place. So Jesus is setting side by side two different things. He's making a comparison so that we can see a connection. Because Jesus wants to connect us to his story, so that he can then connect us to these great truths that he wants us to learn about our life, about our faith, about our salvation. And that's really what our first takeaway is this morning. It's that Jesus wants me to see myself in his story. And as we read this parable that Jesus tells this morning, 
He wants us to do exactly that, to see and find ourselves in this story. So let's take a look at that story Jesus tells. It's in Matthew 13, beginning at verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So let me ask you, where do you see yourself in this story Jesus told? Where does it connect with you? A, a farmer went out to plant a field, right? To put seed into the ground. And, and farming in Jesus' day and farming today, very different things. Today, we have, farmers have tractors and these massive dick, disc plows that, that can furrow up all kinds of rows all at once. They have combines for harvesting. Ancient farmers had none of those things. Instead, what they would do is they would take a bag filled with grain and they would walk into the field and scatter it. They would sow it by hand. And because they didn't have nice farming equipment, right? They didn't have nice, clean, neat lines of, of rows of crops. They would just scatter it. And because of, because of that, it would fall on different kinds of soil. And here, Jesus tells of four different kinds of soil. He talks about the worn down, right? The beaten path where it's been walked down a lot. And that seed just landed on top and it was an easy meal. The birds swooped down and, and ate it up. Some of the seed fell on the rocky part, right? There's a little soil on top and because of that, the seed grew quickly and it sprung up quickly because there was a lot of moisture in that top soil. But as soon as the sun came up, well, it scorched that plant because it had no deep roots down into good soil. Some of the seed, it fell among thorns. And it grew, but the weeds grew faster. And they covered over it. They choked out the sun. They sucked up all the nutrients. And those plants bore no fruit. And then there was some seed that landed in the good soil. And it produced this thriving, abundant crop. So do you see yourself in the story? Where does it connect with you? Remember, Jesus told parables to teach a spiritual truth. So he wants you to learn about more than just farming and seeds and soil. Jesus is trying to connect with you about your heart about your faith and about the power of his word. 
And while Jesus doesn't always explain the point of his parable, this one, he does. Take a look, jumping to verse 18. Jesus says, Listen then what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Do you see yourself in this story? Where does it connect with you? Because Jesus, his explanation, right, shows that the seed is not just any seed and the soil is not just any soil. He wants us to understand very clearly our second takeaway, that in Jesus' parable, the seed is God's word and the soil is my heart. See, with this parable, Jesus is inviting us to, to test our faith, to test the soil in our hearts. It's something that God really wants us to do. It's an important question for us to ask, but it's usually one that we're much more comfortable asking of other people, right? And maybe we don't ask it about them, but we go, oh, that guy, he's definitely the, the beaten path kind of guy. The way he acts as soon as he leaves church, definitely that kind of guy. Oh, her, yep, she's definitely, she's definitely the among the thorns kind of lady. There's faith there, but boy, she really gets caught up in the ways of this world. We're really comfortable looking at other people and trying to make judgments about what kind of soil they are. But, but please understand, Jesus didn't tell this parable for you to see others in it. He told this parable so that you would see yourself in it. So which soil are you? Which soil describes your heart, your faith? Are you like the seed that fell on the, the worn, the beaten path? The one that's been walked smooth? Jesus tells us that that's like the person who, they hear the word of God, but they don't understand it. And they really make no effort to do so. And as a result, Satan snatches away that word. It's almost like it, it went in one ear and right out the other. It, it reaches, the word of God reaches their ears, but, but it never reaches their hearts. Words, actions, life, totally unchanged. 
it's as if the, they never even heard it to begin with. That one hour on Sunday morning is completely different from the entire week, the entire rest of their lives. So does this describe your faith? Do you see yourself in this kind of soil? Or do you see yourself among the rocks? Jesus described this as, as the, the uh, seed that fell among the rocks is the, the person who hears the word of God and is so excited, they're so filled with joy, they eagerly hear the message that Jesus died and that he rose for them. They eagerly listen to the result that heaven is theirs and they are pumped. But it doesn't last. And maybe it's because they realize that, that faith doesn't have these nice, clean boxes with all these simple answers for all the really complex questions of life and our world. Maybe they become a little bit disillusioned when they realize that the world doesn't love God and that so much of the world, what the world holds up and says is good and even worships is contrary to God and to his word. Maybe they waver and stumble when trouble comes along and they want to know why God didn't stop it, why God doesn't put an end to it right now. Why would God let me face this? Doesn't God know? Does he even care? And so this shallow faith is scorched by the trouble and persecution of this world. Does this describe your faith? Do you see yourself in this soil? Or do you see yourself among the thorns? Jesus explained that the seed that fell among the thorns is seed that, that planted, it sprouted, it grew, but it never produced fruit. And the reason it never produced fruit is because it was surrounded by weeds that sucked up all of its nutrients, all of its life-giving goodness. The thorns of life, the weeds of this world that Jesus is describing, he says explicitly those are wealth and worry and worrying about wealth. The people who are the seeds sown on the thorny ground are those that, that always have something else to do. They always have something else that's just a little more important than God. They, they love God. They'll, yeah, God, I'll, I'll be there. I'll get there. I'll get there next time or a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Yeah, I'll, I'll make time someday for you. But this, until then, I've just got this and this and this and this and this and this. The problem is that they are trying to serve two masters, which is something that Jesus says can't be done. But they're trying to serve the true God and wealth. The true God and self-satisfying luxury. The true God and worry. The problem is that God doesn't reign alone in this heart. Does this describe your heart, your faith? 
do you see yourself in this soil? Or do you see yourself among the good soil? The one that produced the, the bumper crop, the abundant fruit, right? 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Oh, pastor, finally you got to me, right? Ah, okay, now we got to the good stuff. Now we're about to talk about me, about you, right? Eh, maybe not. If we're being real with ourselves and real with God, I think we probably recognize that while this is exactly the kind of soil that we want our hearts to be, well, the reality is our third takeaway. That far too often, I fail to be the good soil God wants me to be. Because when we look at our lives, we see evidence of, we'll call them four nasty S's. That the, the seed of God's word is snatched by the evil one. That the, the young faith is, is scorched by the troubles and persecution of life. That worry and wealth, they strangle God right out of our lives. And they're all caused by the, the fourth S, sin. And it's all a problem, right? How can we change that? How can we make it so that our heart is that, that good soil? That's what we want it to be. How do we get there? How do we, how do we stop living where our hearts are, are strangled and snatched and scorched? How do we stop living with hearts that are filled with sin so that we can have hearts and faith that are just good soil and produce all this fruit? Well, the problem is we can't. But thankfully, God can. And not only God can, but God does. And with this parable, we, we tend to focus solely on the soil, right? The different kinds of soil. And, and we think about other people. And hopefully, we think about, we test the soil of our own hearts, our own faith. But, but maybe we're missing a more important question. How powerful is that seed. Because of all those four kinds of soil, none of them can produce a plant on their own. Not one of them. Not even the good soil can produce plants without a seed. They all need the seed. And the seed, we saw, is God's word, the, the powerful word of God. And so I want to share with you just a couple of Bible verses this morning that help us see just how powerful that Word of God is for our hearts. Okay? The first one is from Jeremiah 23. It says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? How powerful is God's Word? That seed of God's Word? It's so powerful that it can crush a stone. Crush a rock, the, the rock, the hardened heart that's in every sinful human being by nature. That word of God can smash it to pieces. But it doesn't just cause destruction. Look at what else it does. Romans 1, 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. How powerful is that seed of God's word? Not only does it crush that hardened heart that we're all born with, but it makes known to us what we can't know in any other way. How we are saved. What God has done to rescue you. To forgive you, to give you peace and eternity with him. It makes known to you the good news that Jesus is your Savior. The powerful seed of God's word plants faith in your heart that grows to salvation. The third one from 1 Corinthians 2. As it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. How powerful is the seed of God's word? Incredibly powerful. And why? Because of God the Holy Spirit working through his word. Working through his word to crush your sin-hardened heart. Working through his word to implant faith in you so that you know and believe Jesus is your Savior. Your sins are forgiven, paid for on the cross. That is the power of God's word. And even God uses a little water, Right? As Titus talks about in uh, chapter 3, or Paul talks about writing to Titus in chapter 3, he, God, saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So anytime you talk about faith, whether you're talking about right, examining it and thinking about it and testing the soil of our hearts, or whether you're talking about growing in faith, you're talking about God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, who is always, always at work in the, in the Word of God, right? We heard that before, how God promises His Word always accomplishes its purpose. God, the Holy Spirit, is always working, whether it's the written Word that you are reading and studying on your own, whether it's the, the spoken Word that you are listening to here in worship or on a, a podcast, whether it's the, the Word connected with the water, in holy baptism, or the word of God's promise in the Lord's Supper. The Holy Spirit is always at work through the word of God for your heart, for your soul. And you know what he's doing? He's taking the, the rocky, the beaten down parts, the weeds that are growing in my heart, and he's uprooting those weeds and he's turning over that beaten path, and he's getting rid of the rocks and making my heart good soil and doing the same for you. That's the beauty of what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. It's our last takeaway this morning. That God, the Holy Spirit, turns my heart into good soil and enables me to produce fruit for God. Because on our own, trying to figure out what soil we are is just an exercise in futility, right? We're always going to see failure and sin, but God the Holy Spirit comes and works the soil of our hearts to produce fruit, to make it good soil 
And what does God say the fruit of the Spirit is? Well, maybe you've heard it before. Love and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. That God the Holy Spirit is working those in your heart and in your life and producing 30 and 60 and even 100 times this amazing abundant harvest of, of, of a life lived for God. And he's doing that so that you also then get to put into other people's lives 30 and 60 and 100 times so that they too hear that word, that powerful seed of God's word. Because this is an amazing story that Jesus tells today. It has incredible eternal applications and implications. And he wants us to see ourselves in this story. Not trying to figure out which soil are we, but seeing and trusting the incredible power of God's word. Of God's word that is active and living, that's piercing through and and cutting into our hearts, that's turning it over to be good soil. Where his word plants deeply and grows into this harvest of righteousness. And you know what the real point of this story is? They're actually words that Jesus spoke. They were kind of sandwiched in between these two sections. They're the words of verse 9. Look what Jesus says. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So as I look at you, I can't see your noses or your mouths because you're all wearing masks. Good job. But I can see you all have ears. And what does Jesus say? If you got them, use them. Use them to listen to him. Listen to his word. Immerse yourself in it because it, it produces an abundant harvest that changes your life for eternity. Amen.